podcast one production. Created for expectant parents, new mums, new grandparents, or women thinking about becoming pregnant. This series guides you through the highs and lows of pregnancy, giving birth, and the complexities of parenting. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Midwife Kath, you're such an advocate for parents in all aspects. And today we've got Matt Tinney and Danny Williams, two dads who are in to talk about their experiences with their children who um, have extra challenges. Mm. And tell me why, why. I know both Danny and Matt separately and I know the challenges um, they both have. And I think, A, it's great to talk about children with challenges because not everything's perfect and not everything's rosy and not every baby's born to be what we want to call normal. They have they have challenges, lots of challenges, whether they're minor or major. And it's also great to hear from dads who, you know, who often the silent person in the relationship going to work and, and doing things. But I know both Matt and Danny are vocal about uh, their children and also passionate parents, great dads, and, you know, they've both captured my heart in different ways oh. in, you know, just telling me their stories. Their so stories. I think it's uh, it's really, you see, when you talk to people, we don't understand that there's always a backstory, you know, like you can't just ask questions to people without understanding there's, there might the be a struggle story. behind there, you know. This, and This goes to the heart of this this series of discussions we've been having, Kath, which is, you know, as parents and as families, we all share things or challenges in common and then each of us has a very set of unique challenges. And, um, you know, I think that's good to create that dialogue. I'm really, you know, I'm really proud of you for, you know, for facilitating these conversations. Yeah. I think it's important. Yeah, I do, very much yeah. so. Matt joins us from Perth. Matt, how are you? Very well, thank you, Brooke, Kath and Danny, uh, great to chat to you and great that Kath has had so many dads on. I know listening to the episodes as a dad, it's great to hear the similar things that you've experienced and it is hard sometimes, you know, getting that voice out there. You hear a lot about mums, but dads are just as important and um, especially in cases with dads with kids with extra challenges, you hear even less of, of yeah. them. Yeah. So I think it's really important to, you know, stand out there. It's not something to be ashamed about. It's something we should be very proud of. And somebody once told me, you know, you have this child for a reason. This child has landed with you. And I remember when my daughter Flo was born, I thought, oh, what? What's this all about? But the longer uh, time that passes, I think, oh, that's so true. Lots of people I know with kids with extra challenges, I think these people are so strong, you know, to be able to do this, to be able to do parenting, A, mm -hmm. and then to be able to have a kid with extra challenges and, and cope with the physical and emotional demands and financial demands of that as well. Oh. Danny, you're here in, with Kath and I in the, in the studio. With regards to having a voice as a dad um, and a dad of children with extra challenges, um, do you feel that, that, that that's a, not such a common discussion or there's a lack of info? Um, I, um, I feel that um, dads, as you said, just sort of hide away, go to work, earn the money in effect and, and don't really or don't have the time necessarily to go out there and talk and access the wider world that the mothers seem to naturally do so just to be able to express how i feel and or how dads feel about children with extra challenges is really important because i 
we, we, do, we run a conference every year for genetic uh, epilepsy and people talk between the, the speakers uh, and there's mothers and there's daughters and there's people with extra challenges, but there's never the, the dad. And, and I really? think, yeah, and I've said to my wife this year, I said, not that I really want to, but I think it's time that a dad yeah. stood up and spoke in this five minutes about actually what it means to, or what it feels like to be a dad with a kid with special needs. Do you find that, Matt? Yes. I mean, um, we have, uh, where I am in Western Australia, Telethon, which is a fundraiser, you know, for kids. And uh, I got up this year and spoke at the gala ball that comes with it. And you could could have heard a pin drop. And, you know, they can relate to a story, but it's also because they're just not used to seeing a dad. And when you're a dad and you get up there and you're vulnerable, people listen because you don't see that all the time. Absolutely. We paint a picture for listeners um, and also for myself. Like, what are the challenges each of you have have experienced? Like, what, what, what Danny? Um, I've got two children with a, a rare genetic ep- epileptic condition called Syngap 1. Um, they uh, have ID, intellectual disability. They have ataxia, the inability to walk. They're practically nonverbal. One of them is practically an insomniac. Um, both of them are still in nappies. They can't dress themselves. They can't feed themselves. Well, they can feed themselves when it's sugar they and chocolate. They don't want to. Yeah, that's right. yeah. <laughs> um, They can't bathe. They can't. You know, there's lots of things. Well, they really can't. You know, care for themselves. Care for them. And also, they occasionally my eldest can bite my youngest. So we also have to be very careful about mm. about those things. So just that and being aware of that we have to be on all the time is the biggest challenge. You know, we don't have time to sleep properly unless my wife goes on business to Sydney, for example, or we, we can hand the kids out to the, um, to the in-laws. But that very rarely happens because we know the kids inside out and we know that what they want and we, we know most of the time what they need. Mm. And I think we want them to be with us. And, and it's that, that's the biggest challenge, just or allowing us to take time off. Mm. Because you know we we're dealing with all the issues all the time. How old are they, Danny? Uh, Jaylee is nine. Uh, Dali is seven. And you did mention to me very briefly that it was a long time before you got a diagnosis. Yeah, so <laughs> we um, got a diagnosis in February 2016. Um, we came to Australia um, in 2010. I'd started no- noticing eyelid flutters in Jaylee. And uh, we went to a paediatrician who says, don't be neurotic parents, go home, there's nothing wrong. Mm, fabulous. So then we, we spoke to a few other people who said, if you think there's a seizure going on, go to the uh, emergency department. So we went to the RCH, the Royal Children's Hospital, and they admitted us straight away. And we had tests and we got diagnosed with epilepsy. Was this just with Jaylee? This was just yeah, with yeah, Jaylee, yeah. just with Jaylee. And, and at the same time, my wife was pregnant mm. with Darley. So... Jaylee didn't really reach her milestones and um, Jaylee was throwing food, flicking her head back, dropping to the floor. She was having uh, up to 50 to 60 petty mouse seizures an hour. So this is when she's about three? Yeah, yeah. Two, two, three. Yeah, she got... Uh, an hour. An hour. So this started when she was about 14 months old uh, and uh, it just got worse and worse for the early, early years to a point that, you know, we had to hold her head, she had to wear helmets and all these things. Then, Dar- then Darley was born and it was, okay, let's just hope... Yes. Hope that Dahl is okay. And my wife started noticing eyelid flutters about 12 months and, and then it all and, went And for the 12 there. months, was she progressing? With she her, was. Dahl yeah. was progressing normally yeah. with uh, all the stages, uh, better than Jaylee actually. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we just were, we had nothing. We had no, they, were, they weren't talking, they weren't then reaching the milestones, not sleeping and 
and we were pulling our hair out because no one knew what was going on. We got referred to this uh, epileptologist and that one and this one, and then we got eventually got to the top of the ladder. Um, Professor Ingrid Sheffer, who has really looked after us uh, from now on, and is a, and actually is a is a Syngap specialist, I suppose, if you want to use that word. And then uh, full genome sequencing came into effect. Before that, there was um, XM sequencing that we got, um, and nothing was shown. So that's when they look at a segment rather than the whole of the genome. Mm. Nothing was shown. So uh, a company, uh, we went to an ep- uh, a geneticist, uh, Martin Delaticki, who said, He's gorgeous, amazing man. guy, yeah, amazing guy. Amazing person. He said, you can go to America, it'll cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, and we were thinking about it. Then we got a phone call from him saying, there's a new company just set up in Sydney called uh, the Garvin Institute. They've just started doing uh, full genome sequencing. So off we went. And we got this diagnosis, Singat 1. The first time, it was a, it was a relief. We had a name for the long journey we've been through. Mm. And, and it, I know it's a weird thing. We, we couldn't do anything about it. No, but, but we had, had a name and, we, yeah. and we, we could hold on to it and we can find people possibly with this problem uh, and, and go from there. And we were the first to, be the, uh, to go through the Garvin and my, we got a lot of, you know, my wife was uh, an advocate for the Garvin Institute and we pushed, the, pushed through it. And then we found uh, a few families in America and, and we've now been able to create a community. There's about 300 in the world we're the, one of only two with two siblings from separate pregnancies with Singap one. Mm. That's incredible. Oh, and when? Jeez, oh, <laughs> I know. And what about what about Matt? Well, when I hear Danny's story, I just think, oh my goodness, we are incredibly lucky. And you always have this feeling when you hear stories no. of kids with extra challenges. For us. During pregnancy, we had no idea anything was wrong. Everything was going along fine. Um, About eight years before Flo was born, Nikki um, had survived cancer and had most of her right lung removed. So we knew that she had (laughs) to be uh, monitored closely. Yeah, we've we've had (laughs) had the bad luck stick us us a few times. (laughs) (laughs) But interestingly, I think... Us getting through that, Nikki's cancer, made us strong enough to get through uh, what happened with Flo. So when Flo was born, um, big, beautiful baby, and we noticed she had birthmarks on her face and all over her body. And usually these would be harmless, but in very rare cases like Flo's, they're associated with other things, including low muscle tone, hyperflexibility, speech issues. At that point, we didn't didn't know it when she was born. And in fact, when she was born, um, you know, the theatre went into an emergency mode because she was turning blue. She was struggling um, to breathe. And uh, Nikki was on the operating table and I was against the wall. And I remember feeling mm. so out of control oh, and worried. Um, and I thought, this is not how this no, was meant not, to happen. No. Um, I had my camera ready to take these amazing fio- photos of the most amazing moment of our life. Mm. And this was not like the movies at all. This was not meant to happen. Um, and so then uh, Flo and I were whisked off to the neonatal intensive care unit as Nikki was still on the operating table. And um, I w- had to give Flo this sugary substance um, to help her. And I remember her just looking at me and holding my finger. And I thought, 
I'm going to have to grow up very quickly now, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to be an, an adult. And um, we were lucky we had a paediatrician who was able to identify that the birthmarks were associated with these other issues, which is a very rare case. And I think in most medical books, it's a, it's a paragraph in a book, if that, that people learn about this. Um, and we've chosen not to talk about Flo's diagnosis. We mainly talk about the challenges that she faces. And, mm. and we think that you know, if the time comes that she wants to talk about it, by all means, that's her story to tell. But we can definitely tell the story of being her parents. And so we've been on this journey of physiotherapy, speech therapy, um, you know, the challenges of going to lots of appointments, having lots of checks, MRIs, ultrasounds. Um, it's fairly constant, but Flo's doing really, really well. Just before her second birthday, she started walking, which we couldn't believe. Um, and she was just so proud of herself. And at the moment, we're doing uh, intensive speech therapy because she spent so much energy trying to walk um, that she was a little bit behind on the speech side of things. And she's coming along really, really well. We've got a little cavoodle, Harry, and now she says, hi, Harry. Oh, yeah. she, oh, it just that's melts so my heart hearing yeah. her. But um, I do remember after she was born, somebody gave me a piece of writing called Welcome to Holland. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's by a, a woman, Emily Pearl Kingsley, and it was written back in 1987. And it's a, it's a bit of a parable um, that explains the feeling of having a kid with extra challenges. And it's a bit like, you know, imagine, Imagine you having, um, you know, a baby is like planning a trip to Italy and you're on the plane, you think you're going to land in Italy and then the uh, captain gets on the <laughs> you know, loudspeaker and says, we're actually in Holland. And you're thinking, no, no, this wasn't meant to happen. <laughs> and you can either spend the whole time in Holland wishing that you were going to be in Italy or you can just say, we're in Holland, we're going to enjoy this. And it took me a little while. I think I grieved the life I thought Flo would have. Yeah. But now we're at a point where we've just uh, embraced it and we see it as a gift because it's, you know, not normal in inverted commas. So mm. we have a different experience to other parents and we treasure every moment differently. I think we have think. to embrace it, Matt, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, you've got to, our kids are happy and funny and jolly. They cuddle, they laugh. They, you know, they're our children and we, we love them and, and they love us. And that's what it's all about. Did you? Did you? I saw you when when Matt was talking about that parable. You were nodding your head that that kind of concept that this is not the expectation or the you know it didn't work out. Yeah, you know, we always want we want whatever normal is. We yeah. want normal children. You know, we want them to grow up, play with in with their friends, go to school, have all the you know the social activities, go to ballet, go to dance or or music or and do that. And my children don't. Mm. So, but. They are my children, and they're beautiful, and I, we love them, and that we try and make them do what they can do, and mm. and. And that's it. I'm that's in Holland it. and I'm very happy to be in Holland. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With your clogs on. <laughs> and the tulips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's it's not what I wanted. It's it's taken a lot of grieving and a lot of hard work and a lot of acceptance, and I still don't know if I'm fully there. All I know is that we have to keep striving to make them as happy and as uh, able as they can, and we are striving for a cure. I mean, that's where my wife and I mm. are at. Can I ask you about the support maybe you get as a community for mums and as opposed to dads? Did you have that support? Did you feel isolated? Were those their communities for you to to talk it out? I, I'm not sure. What, Matt? Uh, uh, I definitely felt isolated going from the hospital. If we start there, you have this child, 
and you're on a ward with other people who've had children and you're going to the classes to learn how to give your kid a bath and how to do, you know, baby massage and all you can see are these other kids who supposedly normal and it makes you feel so different, like you're going through such a different experience and you can feel alone. And I know Nikki and I, we didn't want to worry our families with everything we were going through as well. So we (laughs) did a lot of crying during that period, um, that's for sure. And it was very, very tough. I mean, it's difficult enough to find. It is. It's grief. You go through a grieving process. You know, it's it's really hard. Yeah. You know, this is why I think people who have uh, kids with extra challenges are so strong, probably because they've had to go through this grieving process where lots of other people have only gone through joy and, and you know, a bit of sleep deprivation. Um, but for, oh, nothing, for people, is it? Nothing. <laughs> no. Nothing. And in fact, we, we have a second child, Vance, who is, you know, for want of another better word, normal. Uh, flows, I say flows normal as well, her own kind of normal. But... Uh, I just think, oh my goodness, this is an absolute breeze, you know, in (laughs) comparison. Um, But it's partly that expectation reality. When you expect everything's going to be fine and it's not, and you've got this reality, you've got to deal with that and the gap between the the expectation and the reality. I went along to, um, I suppose, mother's group, which we call parents group these days with Flo. And I remember I was the only dad there Mm. and they really accepted me. I felt... to be honest, when I turned up, I thought, oh my goodness, they're going to think, oh, we can't share anything about our experience because there's a dad in the room. My goodness, every birth war story came out, cracked nipples. All their vagina stories. Oh, exactly. They were showing off, weren't they? Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> everything. I fancy um, you. <laughs> and then when um, I was encouraged because having Vance and going along to parents group, again, there were a couple more dads who turned up, so I wasn't the only one. But I do think I'm very lucky working in breakfast TV. It means I you know, get up ridiculously early, but then also I have much of the day free. So I was able to go to the these parents group meetings and I do feel for lots of dads who are doing the nine to five which is probably more like eight to six these days and don't have the same opportunities that I've had uh, to really bond with my child and bond with the experience of being a dad but I do think there needs to be some sort of group for for dads and just talking to Danny even though you know our kids um have different challenges and and in fact one of the things with with flow is there is a um, risk of epilepsy that's one of them the many risks different things so there's a, an interesting synergy there with uh, with this chat but I do think that when you talk to other people who are in the same situation you just relax and you can feel this connection and I think it's great what Danny was saying about creating a community for yourself. Sometimes if it's not there, just create it. Have you met other families like we Danny ha- has with... Um, no, no, we haven't. I've been on Instagram and every now and then I put in the hashtag and I have a look at other kids around the world um, and there's not many of them. And I just... You know what? I have a little bit of celebration. These kids don't know that I am looking at their photos, but when I see them achieve things, it means so much to me. And especially early on um, when we had the diagnosis with Flo, it meant so much to know, look at that kid who's walking, look Mm. at that kid who's a cheerleader or whatever they're Mm. doing. But yeah, no, we haven't met anyone and maybe that's something we'll do later on. Um, But at the moment, we just kind of treat 
flow like she's any other kid. She honestly thinks she's Beyonce. She doesn't oh know she has what's the, going on. She <laughs> is amazing and nothing's going to stop her. This is a thing lots of people ask you, are they walking yet? Are they crawling yet? Which is really difficult when you're like, my kid has extra challenges. They're not going to be crawling for a little while yet. Can you please stop asking me mm. about this? And so I think it's important to have this conversation. I know Nikki and I have spoken about this and Nikki's written about it, about focusing on the things they can do and, and asking like, what are they doing now? What does your kid enjoy now? And that mm. opens up the conversation and you don't feel like, oh, my kid's behind. Mm. Or, I'm know. amazed when um, we hear from our school teachers that Jade has done this, Darla's done this at school, and we go, no, she can't do that. She, goes, she can't do this. <laughs> no, no, she, she said a whole sentence the other day. Oh, well, she can't. <laughs> but, but she can. And that's where we go, well, she can. And therefore we push them, you know, to talk. We push them to, when we hear that they've do, they do these things, then it's, okay, we need you to do them at home. And, you know, they get pushed and st- stimulated at school that they're able to they come out with a creative mind. What about the concept of education for you both? Our kids went into normal, if you want to call it normal, Matt, sorry. They went to normal kinder. Uh, They had an aid in normal kinder. Uh, And then then we put them into, uh, I suppose it's, I can never remember. Primary school. Primary school for one or two years. um, And we said, no, they're not working. We don't want to put them in in an environment which is actually too advanced for them or which is they're just going to sit in the corner with an aid and... Be be stressed, I'm sure. And do do nothing, you know, that we believe is uh, productive enough. So we actually moved them to a special school and they've been so good in the special school. There's four kids in the class, one teacher, one physio, one OT. You know, they do computing, they do English, they do math, they do algebra. They Jeez. do, uh, And we get these reports. So like, oh, <laughs> we read these reports and we go, oh my God, wow, she's a level two at calculus. Or, you know, she's, she's, I go, where did that come from? So, you know, so, you know, so the school is amazing and it's just so lovely to hear them doing things that work for them and they and they find the they find this uh the subjects that they are interested in uh, so they learn those things as well so i think moving someone to a school if and, and not having them sit in the corner of a normal school moving to a school which actually has the skill set that this child needs is so important and the support and the support and, and do you think sometimes it's the parents Problem. They want them to go to a normal school and integrate into a normal I school. I do unfortunately think yeah. the parents have not accepted that their children are normal in their own way, uh, but not normal in the in the in the school conventional. conventional way, and they won't move them into a school which will help them more. Yeah. I do think that. Matt? Um, we're at the beginning of the journey, of course, because flows too, and our discussions at the moment are about sending her to a mainstream school. Um, you know, she may need an aid, she may not need an aid. We don't really know at this point. We're still to go through the whole NDIS process uh, with good, flow, good which is, yes. <laughs> What's that, Matt? <laughs> the National oh, Disability oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. NDIS. Yes. Oh, well, yes. Danny's and got I, a lot to talk about that. And I had a, a friend that's just gone uh, through their first meeting who has... Um, twin girls with cerebral palsy and she told me the other day that they mixed the girls up in their assessment and I just thought, oh, oh goodness, God. if they've done that. Um, so we're still to go through everything. I suppose we're at the point we want what the best is 
for flow and we're going to go with that. Um, I mean, one of the big concerns, I suppose, is... um, bullying you know Flo we had laser done on her facial birthmarks and so those have basically disappeared off her face but they're all over her body everywhere and I know what kids are like and we've just surrounded her in this bubble of love and we've been really lucky she goes to daycare two days a week and the kids absolutely love her and she's one of these kids who if another kid's upset she'll go over to them and give them a hug or pat them she's a really lovely child and so we don't I don't want the bullying to destroy her uh, her spirit so this is a concern but I suppose all we can do as parents um is build her up and make her as resilient as possible and in some ways I think you know, the, the birthmarks are kind of a gift because I really hope she's going to make friends who are going to accept her, you know. It's kind of like a thing, well, accept these and accept me for who I am and love me for who I am. So I really hope she makes uh, amazing friends when she does go to school, but we're very much at the start of the journey and starting to have the conversations I now. I do think, and, though, I do think, Matt, you've got to start at mainstream school. I really yeah. do because, you know, you don't know how your child's going to develop. Uh, and if they need some help, that's great. And, and if they can cope with it and, you know, they can talk to you and express if they're feeling like they're comfortable in that school or not, then that's, that's exactly what, the right thing to do. I think it's when they can't or you can't see that or they can't express it to you, then, of course, things change. So absolutely, I would always start in a mainstream school and then progress mm-hmm. from there under the advice of, of, you know, the teachers and of your, you know, your professional um, advisors. So yeah, with, with having an aid, um, how does that work with funding? Danny, what 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 do you do? <laughs> oh, no, is, is, she, is, she, is she giving you a loaded question? <laughs> a can of worms no, yeah. opened yeah. up. Look, all, all I can say about NDIS is that, yes, it is a long process. And yes, it is a convoluted process. And yes, it is difficult. However, we've, you know, we've got great, we've got, had, got, had great funding from the government with NDIS. And they've been out it's allowed us to have all the support we need all the time that we need it for both children and allow and allow everything modifications that we need for the house so it is a long process and it is a hard process there are certain ways and directions that you you really kind of need to know um and there are people who can help you know those rather than do it going alone and i I, and i think that's important i think we used uh, a person who knew how NDIS worked and therefore were able to direct it into the into the into sort the of like right an space. agent or something like an like agent. Yeah, yes, yeah, I've yeah. forgotten what they call themselves now, but um, it, it, and he his he was brilliant and and he knew exactly. So he came in and assessed, and then was so, the go between. So he came into no, he came into assessors, and we he had a he wrote a, a document about you know what he thought we needed, etc. And then NDIS came into assess. Now. You can either have NDIS come in directly or you can have their, one of their subsidiaries because there's not enough NDIS. Mm. So he recommended that trying to get NDIS in, not one of the subsidiaries, mm. and get them, because we have two children, trying to get both of the, the assessors in at the same time. And then once um, they've assessed, you hand them this, just make them take away this uh, document, just in case they've forgotten anything. We were very lucky or not so very lucky, depending on how you say that. The NDIS came... The kids were going crazy because, uh, you know, we, 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 they, they spent time on iPads and we took them off so they were a bit more, um, you know, normal. Uh, and then just as they were walking out the door, we heard this scream and, and they all ran back and Jaylee had bitten Dali on the face. Mm. You know, so they could see that what was going on and how hard it was for us to, you know, we always have to just have somebody there. Just to go to the front door. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, you know, 
I think it's just important to have the right people again. As I said, you've got to have the right people around you who understand how systems work because it is a convoluted system. Because, you know, it is about the people who really need help mm. getting the funding that they that require. And that's really important. I'm fascinated, all the logistics and all the gadgets and all the bits and pieces. I mean, it's it's really interesting. Mm. But I, I also wonder about the relationships between parents, like with your partners, Matt and, and Danny, like you must be just so solid or is it like every relationship? It's just, you know, it's up and down and because there, there are extra pressures or there are extra demands or less sleep or something. That's exactly right, Brooke. You really have to be a team, but... It can be tough. You've got, you know, physical challenges, emotional challenges, mental challenges, financial challenges that you're dealing with on top of the sleep deprivation, the feeding, the sl- you know, everything else. Um, and it can become difficult. And, you know, I'd be wrong to say it's rosy all the time and it's absolutely amazing. You've just got to be there for each other. You're all go- <laughs> each of you is going to fall over at some point <laughs> and you've got to be there uh, to be the safety net. And I've even found, you know, we, Nikki and I both had um, really good jobs and, you know, paid well and Nikki's been on maternity leave and, you know, having a kid with extra challenges, it costs so much money. In fact, we had a paediatrician appointment the other day and the paediatrician said, so you guys have a healthcare card and you're on a, have a carer's allowance and we're like, what? No. No. And she said, you could have you should be on this. And I said, when could have we got this allowance? And she said, two years ago. And so I'm just thinking, oh my goodness. So now we're, you know, going through the Centrelink forms and all this sort of thing. Um, you know, so if, if, you know, us with, you know, two good jobs, even though uh, we're down to one income at the moment, go through these issues. I can't imagine what it's like for other people who perhaps have been on single income when they've come into this situation. But you do have an amazing bond because you have this love um, for your child and you want the best for your child. And that's what gets you through the toughest times. You've just got to be that shoulder to cry on. Um, And every now and then you're both crying (laughs) and you both both break down, but you just have to build yourself up. Yeah, mm. we went through a four-year black hole. We like to we like to call it, or my wife does. <laughs> I don't think we shared the same bed for four years mm. a night, mm. uh, and our kids were scary. They were seizing so much, and they were just we just didn't know where we were. I can't. It was like this. It's now you know we've we've got some things under control, but it was it was at this empty part of our lives which we actually didn't know what to do and we just had to survive and we survived just get through the day we just had to get through the day and you know and it it was about we both worked and you know getting through the day and knowing that i mean my wife took most of the brunt because she was up more in the night and her sleep it was just horrific and Mm. you know and it was we just we didn't really speak to each other i've got Mm. but we knew that you know we had to Keep going. That was the understanding, uh, and we unspoken. To, yeah, and and it was unspoken. Yeah, because we knew we were married, and we're traditional thinkers that we're married for life, and we're you know we're not going to have a breakup because mm. we're having the biggest row about something that's going on with our child. Mm. You know, you know the row was row was done. It was over. We got back to what we were doing. We got back to dealing with the children, and and we you just do it. It was a black black hole, a dark. Mm dark place. Black hole. It was, I, saw it you, was, I saw you nodding as um, 
um, as Matt was talking about not... I'm nodding a lot, aren't I? Well, you're nodding. Well, <laughs> you can't see be... Matt. Matt could be nodding. <laughs> yeah. There seems to be some similarities. I'm nodding at my end too. Yeah, uh, with what Matt's saying, you're saying, yeah, I'm well, experiencing that. I think it's that. exactly the same. I yeah. mean, you know, we all have our challenges with, with, with children, children like this. And, and I, you know, and I'm we, even children who aren't like this, Parents have challenges, you know, and I, and You're right. I mean, I know I'm. It's all about special needs or extra challenges, but children are hard. Yes, you know, and 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 I know parents look at me going, "Oh, it must be so difficult." I go, but "Isn't it difficult for you as well? You don't know what I'm I'm under yeah. the stresses I'm under, but you've got your stresses as well. You know, kids are bullying or they're wetting their bed or they're you know they're doing other thing that that you know our kids don't do." Isn't that hard? Yes. You know, you, you've got to go to a, this doctor because someone's got, a, uh, you know, a bit of autism or they're on the spectrum a little bit or they're, you know... They're being bullied. The, yeah, you yep. know, just there's lots of little things out there and I go, you know, that's just my challenge and yes, it's hard and yes, it's hell and yes, it's awful and all that and maybe I, I'm a little bit more stressed than you because I've got two of them. <laughs> However, you've still got your own challenges and, and I think I think people, everyone has to realise that, you know, mm. that yes, we all have our challenges with the children, even normal Children, you're right because parenting, on the whole, which is what the, these podcasts are all about, is is hard work. Mm. And whether it's um, it's the day to day stuff, whether it's a new baby, whether um, it's toddlers, you know, tantruming, like that's hard. People don't know how to deal with it. And this parenting gig doesn't come with the handbook. Um, but well, it, it does, Kath. Well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, some does. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, good. You're selling yourself short. Oh, sorry. Yes, it does come with a handbook. Um, <laughs> uh, but even as a parent myself, and I was an expert, like there are some hard times, you know, like it's hard work being up and being positive and sleep deprived and going to work and, and giving yourself. And also parent, I parented my parents too. They were both sick. My mother had Alzheimer's and, you know, dad was getting old. And so you're in the middle when you've got a child you're parenting and you're parenting your parents Absolutely. too. So you're right. There's Challenges, challenges we all have. But what I said earlier is that we don't know everyone's backstory. That's why I just mm. think we have to be very careful Absolutely. the way we approach each other and, you know, question. Like if Flo's got a little birthmarks, you know, people just shouldn't comment. Some people so are so What do you do? Sorry, I, mean, so what? Sorry, I, I don't... I, see, I, I'm open because of our children, okay, and because people see our children. Yes. How they are. I am I, much more... I would ask questions like that. Only, but a lot of people don't know how to cope with it, Danny. You can't. I think you can. But a lot of people find that pretty confronting. Well, this is the murky water, isn't it? I well, if know. I met Matt and, yeah. and Flo, I mean, he'll probably see, would probably see something was different. Yeah, I don't know uh, yeah. about, but something was different for, with our children, you know. And it'll the conversation will be ah, so you know. This is Jane and Darling, yeah. and it'll probably come out conversation. Conversation. Oh, they have, they have Singapore. or Flo has extra challenges, and and the conversation. Oh, what are the marks? Or, yes, or yes. and I think maybe it's because Matt and I have got children, children like that. So in that community, it's normal to have open conversation about yeah, this. Right. But maybe it yep. isn't when an, a normal person comes up and looks at my children or looks at Flo. They're maybe a bit embarrassed or unsure about how to approach the question. Yeah. What do I you mean, think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, even um, when I've taken, you know, flew to the hospital for something, you know, something unrelated, the first thing they say to me, 
are those marks on her arms normal? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's normal, you know, because yeah. we've had people think, oh, is that meningococcal or is that this or that? And I was like, no, no, they're just her birthmarks. In in some ways, the birthmarks were a bit of a, a blessing because at the start when we were dealing with everything and, and knowing all the challenges that she could face, we could just refer to the birthmarks and put the focus on the birthmarks. Yes. So people didn't ask us about all the rest of the things that we were dealing with, which made it easier for us. We didn't have to discuss that. We just put the birthmarks out there. We were very open about it, posted on Instagram because I thought, you know, it's important for us to be out there and show this is normal, this but happens. But also to celebrate yeah. her birth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone was exactly. waiting for her, for her to be born. So yeah. is, there, is there a right way to approach? Like say if I met you, Danny, and, and I, I don't want to ignore your kids. I don't want to pretend that the, that the children, you know, don't... I don't, not, my children are not normal. That, well, you know, well, for, the, for for your eyes. So therefore, am I? Am I? Um, is it fine for me to say, hey, like you know, what are the what, what it, are the extra challenges you guys absolutely. have got? Absolutely. Yeah. No problems. Yeah, I suppose then you take a cue though. Maybe some parents are like, don't want to talk about it. Well, then no problems. Absolutely. And then, yeah. I, and I think, but the thing is, you know, we, we try and get out with our children, you know, into society. Uh, and we're open to, you know, my our aim is to be an advocate for Singap. Our aim is to cure Singap. You know, so you're out there, you want uh, people we, to know. We want to, because, you know, Singa is so underdiagnosed all this now. You know, now we've got the genetics, the, we're able to diagnose these genetic conditions. You know, if people have something wrong and they don't know what it is, I would tell them to get a full genome sequence because they can find out what's going on and maybe there's something in that that can actually help or medication could help or, or genetic therapy could help or, or, or there's something out there or some research that's actually happening that can help their child. So, Does Singap stand for? No, it's no. A, it, no, it's a, it's a, Singap is, a, is the name of a protein in the, in the long chain. Of, oh, right, of, yeah. So it's called Singap. Singap 1. Singap so one. there's others, genetic epilepsy has others like Drave, and uh, KCNQ2 and SCA1A, SCA1, uh, there's lots. So, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole stream of these things now because these are the diagnostic names for all these genetic, right, genetic um, yeah. disorders. And, and Matt, in regards to flow, are you are you like Danny in terms of um, make uh, people aware and, and maybe find a cure or? Yeah, I suppose in Flo's case, when we were going to parents group, you know, early on, you know, I don't know that any of the other parents would have perhaps known what we were going through. And we just treated her like any kid going to parents group, which was wonderful because we could have this experience. It's only been since that I've been a little bit more vocal and Nikki has been too about, um, you know, the challenges that Flo has faced and, and is facing. And it's not something where I can be out there advocating for a cure. This is just something that happened. We don't know why. Mm. Um, someone once explained to me, you know, you might see a flower, a group of flowers with all white petals and then there might be a flower with white petals and a little streak of yellow. And that's basically um, what we're dealing with with flow. So I suppose I'm I'm not in the position of being able to advocate for a, for a cure. And I think parents who um, do that, I really admire them because, and I, I do feel it, sometimes you think this has happened to me. It can't just be for nothing. I have to do something with this. And so I suppose my role or I've seen my role is to be out there, be vocal as a dad with kid with extra challenges so that other dads who are, find themselves in that position don't feel perhaps as alone as I may have felt um, a couple of years back. Just to mention here that Matt has started a 
podcast called Good Chat, which is... Would you like to talk about it, Matt? Yes, Kath, I'd love to. So it's called Good Chat and the theme of it, uh, the first two seasons, um, is women to inspire my daughter. So with Flow With Extra Challenges, I really wanted to find some strong women out there. We're often bombarded with these images of, you know, so-called perfection. And I just thought, Flo's perfect in her own way. I need to you know, show her and hold up for her some amazing women. So I've been uh, on this search, this mission to find women to inspire flow. I love the process of just hearing people's stories and no matter what field they're in, they all have the same qualities like you, Kath, you know, this positive energy. They've all had to overcome some sort of challenge and I feel so grateful to be in the same room as these people or to be chatting with them and learning from them and I can't wait to make flow listen to hours upon hours I'm sure, women. I'm sure Flo can't wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm joking, but no, I'm joking. Who needs Peppa Pig? We've got uh, yeah, women yeah. to inspire my daughter. It's been so lovely um, to have you both speak so openly and honestly. I wonder if there's any um, maybe words of advice, encouragement, any, anything you'd like to kind of put out there for other dads who um, who have just started or embarked on this journey with, with children with extra challenges? Danny? I think um, you need to share your feelings. Mm. I think it's, you know, I found it very hard to express how I felt um, to people uh, or to my family even. Mm. Uh, And I think, you know, people understand you better when you actually are honest about actually how you feel about these extra challenges that your children have and, and how and what help you need and don't and ask for help. You know, you can't do it on your own. Your wife and you both can't do it together. You need you need, you need support and you need help. What about um, you? You know, like therapy or counselling or anything like that. Has that? Have you ever needed that? Or I'm sure. <laughs> okay, on the couch. <laughs> I'm sure we've both, and we've tried. We you know, probably haven't had time. We've tried. We tried about. I think we tried together uh, a while ago, but they. <laughs> It wasn't. We didn't really know what we wanted from it, and I think now we've come out of it. We've kind of probably therapized ourselves a lot, mm. um, but the amount of stress that is still loaded on us, you know, and expressing that we've accepted it. And I don't know if that's the right thing or the wrong thing, but you know, we've also got to get on with our lives, mm. you know, and we have each other to help mm. us, and we have each other to to express and to shout or to cry with. Mm. And I think that's probably. The best thing is strong, supported relationship. Do you still cry? That um, I am a very occasional crier. Mm. Um, you'll catch me even on one of the interviews we had on television, uh, letting go a little bit. But no, I, I, I shy away from it, mm. and that's just because you know I've had a lot of you know backstory. You know, mm. I've lost my father and mm. uh, lost a, a very young brother from SIDS when I was in my teenage years, and I think that really helped and hindered my emotional connections mm. um, and I was able to really be the strong person to just get through it and accept mm. it. But, you know, one day I'm, I'm expecting it's all going to come out and I'm going <laughs> to smile gonna, and enjoy yeah. it. Good on you. Yeah. Good. And Matt, you too? Yeah, I'm with Danny. I think talk about it. Um, 
you know, if this happens to you, you are going to go through a grieving process. It is really difficult, but then you will reach a point of acceptance or close to acceptance. And it's such a wonderful place to be in. And you know what? Be proud of your child, you know, love your child because you're setting the example for other people in the community. And you have an amazing opportunity when you have a kid with extra challenges because you open yourself up to so many things that um, other parents don't have. And so many experiences. I meet so many other parents with kids with extra challenges and they're the most amazing people. I wouldn't ordinarily meet these people, you know, if it hadn't been for Flo and what we've been through uh, with Flo. So we consider ourselves incredibly lucky. It is really hard. It's bloody hard. It's the hardest thing that we've had to do. Um, We do cry a little bit, um, but that's okay. We have had counselling from time to time to deal with the issues that we have with Flo, but I just think we're incredibly lucky. Once you get to the point where you can go, this is my life now, I'm not going to keep thinking about what my life was like before because that's not it, then you can open yourself up. Thank you, guys. Matt and Danny, it's been just, you know, amazing hearing about your challenges. You've got three lucky girls between you who have got great dads who I know both of you are very strong and committed fathers and uh, good for you. It's great to have advocates. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. And thanks, Kath. You know, in your book, you set that role for dads. We're not just go to work and come home anymore. And you've really set the tone, I think, with um, with your book and having dads on your podcast. And yeah, I think that's going to benefit kids having their dads uh, involved in their lives uh, yeah, more deeply. So. That's just so important to have those people Absolutely. in. And that's what you are for your, for your girls. So thank you so much. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin. Birth, Baby and Beyond is recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne, Australia. Executive producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Darcy Thompson and music by Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.